This is Content Academy. In today's episode, we have marketing executive, social media strategist, and keynote speaker, Carlos Gill, on the show. We speak to Carlos about how he gained 63,000 Twitter followers, how he can how he tweets while he sleeps, and how you can take up the real estate on your viewers' devices, and a hell of a lot more. So let's get into today's show. Creating great content, finding an audience, building engagement, monetizing your blog. This is Content Academy. Yes, hello, and you're very welcome along to the Content Academy podcast. I'm Phil McGrath, joined as I am every week by Paul Caffrey. Paul, what's up with it? All good, Phil. All good. Any crack with you? No, just uh, settling in for the new year. I suppose, folks, as you're listening to this, it is midway through January or thereabouts, and this is still December for us as we're recording. Uh, we do like to get a few of them in the can in advance, and this is one of them, but it's a great show lined up today, Paul. We have Carlos Gill on the show. Carlos is a marketing executive, social media strategist, and keynote speaker, and we really dig into some social stuff with Carlos. He speaks about his journey from uh, being broken out of work when the recession hit in 2008, having lost his job in the banking industry, to jumping on LinkedIn and finding that he wasn't alone and then turning that into a business, which then led him to work with some big companies like Winn-Dixie's um, and uh, AIG and now with BMC Software as a their uh, their head of social media so it's quite a background story from yeah. carlos but we get into today's show speaking about uh plenty on social media paul we talk about snapchat and instagram and where you should be hanging out and compared to the two of those with the new features on instagram um we look at how you should maximize the real estate on people's uh devices uh, when it comes to using twitter Absolutely, and and then he speak also speaks about what it took to get up to sixty three thousand followers on Twitter, and and how he, uh, his strategy for doing that. So that that was quite interesting to mm. to get insight on. And also somebody who you've probably heard of or seen a, a lot of stuff about. He's he's fairly prominently speaking at social media marketing world uh, coming up uh, in March. Sixty three thousand followers on Twitter as well. So very interesting to see the insight and how he got that many. So. Great show, uh, top guy, and uh, enjoy. This is Content Academy. Yes, so as I said, we have been luckily joined by Carlos Gill from carlosgill.biz. Carlos, my man, how are you? Doing really good. Thanks a lot for having me on the show. No, listen, really appreciate you taking the time out to come on to the show. I suppose regular listeners, listeners will know we uh, pre-record our podcast, so it's actually the eve of New Year's Eve as we're recording this, folks. Um, so I appreciate you taking the time out considering the busy time of year that's in it. You know what, whether it's uh, before New Year's Eve or any other day throughout the year, every day is a busy day if you're hustling. <laughs> Amen to that. Amen to that. Paul, my man, how are you? Yeah, keeping good, you know, enjoying the, the Christmas period already feels like the new year has actually started with all the stuff that we're doing. So, uh, yeah, just all, all excited at the moment. Yeah, I suppose uh, for those of you listening in as well, I will just point out, I apologize for the fact that it sounds like I've got, uh, I don't know, something wrong with me. My throat and uh, lungs are burning up at the moment. A bit of man flu has kicked in, but we're uh, we're working on through it, uh, given the fact that Carlos has been good enough to join us. So uh, again, thanks for that. And Carlos, I suppose before we get into the nuts and bolts of today's show, you might just give our audience a little bit of background on you. So where you started and uh, what you're up to at the moment. 
Yeah, absolutely. So my career journey actually started um, in 2002 in the banking industry. So I started off my career working in uh, consumer home lending and finance, and I wanted to be a banker growing up. I didn't aspire to work in marketing. Social media was something that I grew up with when it was then known as America Online or AOL. Uh, and then it evolved into MySpace, and you know it's become what what it is today. But you know, with that being said, as as a '90s kid, uh, social media and marketing wasn't something that I aspired to one day uh, make it a career path. So banking was what I wanted to do, and I worked in banking for the first six years of my career until here in the states in 2008, we um, entered this economic downturn uh, that became a uh, housing crisis and economic recession. And my job in the banking industry was uh, you know was lost. So I was laid off. Uh, my wife was eight months pregnant at the time, and without really any fallback plan, I turned to social media the day I lost my job to rebrand myself, and really that was where I, I think this stage of where I'm at in my career kind of started. So um, again, six years in banking and then lose my job, and I turned to social media the day I lost my job, and the first social network I actually joined was LinkedIn. And immediately within just an hour or two of joining LinkedIn, jumping into groups, I started seeing this growing trend. I was not alone in terms of someone that just lost their job and I was out of work. So um, facing the reality that I had a, a child on the way and, um, you know, I wasn't going to find a job anytime soon because of the economic crisis where it was. I started my own company called Jobs Direct USA. And what that was was a job board and job placement service to help out-of-work professionals such as myself find jobs, network, how to leverage social media for personal branding. And uh, I was one of the first companies actually in the world that started teaching employers and recruiters how to use social media for job recruiting. And this is where I really learned how to use social media really well. So being that was a startup and I didn't have a large marketing budget like the likes of a career builder or monster.com and Again, social media was just still starting off the ground level. I really tapped into Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn very early on. And I was able to successfully use these networks, not only connect with job recruiters that eventually became clients, but with media. My company was featured by CNN Money. And in 2010, uh, Fast Company named me one of the top 50 most influential people online. And I became very good very early on with being able to use these tools, not only to rebrand myself, but to really build a company from the ground up. And that led me into actually a corporate brand marketing career um, where I've worked in brand marketing ever since. So one of my clients at the time that I worked with had a need for a corporate social media manager. And uh, I saw this as an opportunity to transition from what was once a, a failed banking career. And as an entrepreneur and startup founder, you face so many highs and lows and so many challenges. And you know you don't make a lot of money. Just in full disclosure, I didn't make a lot of money in the first few years I was in business. So again, with a family of support, knowing that social media was something that was already catching on at corporate level, I decided to take this job opportunity with a supermarket chain called Winn-Dixie, which is one of the largest supermarket chains here in the United States, and worked there for a couple of years, moved on to another retail and grocery chain before being hired by LinkedIn, which we all know LinkedIn. It's one of the, you know, one of the biggest social networks out there. And um, I worked for LinkedIn for a period of time before moving on to BMC Software, where I currently work today as their global head of social media. So... That's a very long-winded answer to tell you who I am and what I do, uh, but it's been, a, would say, about an eight-year journey just from the time that I lost my job to where I'm at today. And um, in between that, I've done a lot of public speaking, a lot of contributing to forums like this, just podcasts, blogs, 
And uh, honestly, guys, you know, a lot, of, a lot of folks out there like to label me a thought leader, guru, or social media expert. I just enjoy helping as many people understand this and how it works because it's quite frankly changed my life. And I'm living proof of the power of social media, what personal branding can do, what relationship building and connecting can do. And let's put all the brand and corporate stuff aside for a second. You know, if I can take my story and use that as a way to inspire others, and I feel at the end of the day, you know, I'm really serving my purpose really for being here. Yeah, and cool. that is some story. Um, and again, I, you said it's quite long-winded. Um, I, I think you've cut that rather short um, from from uh, what I've been observing of, of you and your brand and what you do over the last while. I think you've, you've given us a very Cliff Notes version there, so I appreciate that. Um, and I suppose looking at everything that you do and the amount of content that you create, I mean, I'm staggered by the the amount that you do and your your social media presence. You you seem to be ever present and everywhere. Um, when you were starting out, I suppose when it came to creating that content, how did you go about figuring out where the balance was for you in terms of what you wanted to speak about and also what your prospective audience mm-hmm. were looking for? Well, a couple of things uh, that come to mind from what you said there, you know, first of all, social media never sleeps. And I I can tell you this for a fact, because when you are a startup founder and you're not making any money and your family's counting on you to put food in the table, you don't sleep a lot as a person. And when you work 21 and 22 hour days, and I kid you not, guys, you know, back in the day when I was really like at my lowest point and grinding and hustling as hard as I ever have, there was days where I wouldn't sleep at all. And when you go through those cycles in your life, you start to your outlook on the world changes because you start you literally go from being in one you live in one time zone, but literally your your habits, who you interact with and who you engage with starts you know morphing and developing based on people all over the world. And I learned very early on that social media is just one of these platforms and channels that it's it's always on. It's 24/7, 365. It never goes to sleep. And where I'm going with all this is the content you create, if you're trying to develop a global brand or a presence for yourself outside of just a city or a town or a region or state or a country, you have to ensure that your content is constantly in people's faces. And a lot of people call that oversaturation or spamming, but that's just how it goes. If you want to to be seen and get known, you have to put your content out there. And the key is to know exactly who you're trying to reach, who your audience is. So many people waste time on social media just trying to put content out there, see what sticks. And oftentimes they're not really even speaking to a a particular individual. They're more times just talking about how great their company is, but not really focusing on the people that their company can serve or the products and services and value that their company provides to others out there. So I always advise anyone, regardless of if you're B2B or B2C or if you're a solopreneur, whatever your end game is, start with what your goal is. How do you envision social media helping you accomplish that goal? Whether it's by driving more people to your website, driving e-commerce purchases, whatever it might be, how are you going to get people there? What value are you gonna put in front of them? Most importantly, what did the aesthetics look like? I'll, I'll say this to you guys. You know, when I was starting off, I was the founder of my company. I was a I was a designer, I was a web programmer, a developer, and I didn't have any of these skills when I started up my business. I literally was creating. There was no such thing as Canva back then. I was literally <laughs> creating images. Yeah, we're talking 2008, 9, 10. There was yep. no Canva. Oh, I remember it well. I was literally, I was literally using um on a PC. I was using it like art. 
and like literally clipping screenshots and things together. I, I'm almost embarrassed when I look back at my archives and like my Dropbox of back in the day, but like that's just what you do and you, you do what you can. Over, yeah. You do what you can. You make do with what you have. And this is something, guys, that it goes for all stages of the journey, you know, and it's for anyone even today in 2017 that's starting up a business is you don't have to have a lot of money. Just use the tools that are there in front of you and make do with what you got. And as you experiment, I'm a big proponent in trial by fire, A-B testing. You'll see what works and what doesn't work. And whatever works, keep doing it. Whatever doesn't, then you, know, you move on. This is Content Academy. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny you mentioned that the days of clip art and I'm kind of laughing because, Paul, I remember our very, very first blog back in 2008 and how bad it looked. Um, but yet it still served the purpose and still still grew an audience and a following. Certainly did. And actually, <laughs> how hard it was to put together. You know, we had to program <laughs> that from scratch as well, which was an absolute nightmare. But um, there's there's so much. I like the way that you're kind of saying there, Carlos, that you need to just, you know, work with the tools that you have as such. Uh, is there any good kind of free or low cost tools that you'd recommend to help people with their social media? Yeah, yeah, I mentioned it before. Canva is a tool that I use all the time, um, even now in creating graphics for my website and social media and different blog posts that I write. I use Canva, and uh, you can use Canva completely for free, or you can, you know, pay as little as a dollar for images if you're you know, buying stock images. So I'd recommend for anyone out there that that doesn't have the resources to hire a web a graphics designer. Um, to go ahead and use Canva. And it's almost like saying it's Photoshop for dummies. You don't have to have a, um, you know, a background in art design or be all that creative. They already have templates designed for you that you can just drag and drop. And I'll say this from you know going back to when I started my business in 2008. As a business owner, what you spend the most money on, at least I found, is um, art designers, so creatives, and then web designers. So web design's not as easy to go ahead and growth hack unless you use a, a platform like Wix or maybe even WordPress. Uh, yeah. Even that can become challenging. But you know, definitely when it comes to graphic design, that's something you're going to spend money on. And Canva makes it really easy and affordable for you. Yeah, I'm a big lover of Canva. It's uh, super easy to use, folks. If you haven't had a chance to get in and play around with it, even just for your blog, images for your blog, getting in there, it'll have a template for you. Throw it in, mess around with it. Um, you can get it done. I think also Buffer have one. It's a Pablo for Buffer. It's something similar to Canva. Um, they have one there. There's a number of tools like that that you can use um, that are great. Carlos, I suppose looking at it from a branding point of view and i'm interested to get your take on it with all the social media platforms that are available to us and we're all on twitter and facebook and snapchat and instagram um to name but a few when it comes to consistent branding across all those platforms have you any advice to our listeners who are perhaps struggling to get a consistency of brand and message across all of their social media yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, you know, first of all, the the basics of of branding, without a doubt, are you have to have your logo and use your logo as the forefront as the profile photo across all of your social channels. That's just marketing 101. You want to establish that branding early on, that consistency across channels. Uh, things like having a cover photo are extremely important for Facebook and for Twitter. Um, and if you are in, let's say a, a service business or you have a product that you're looking to sell, really look to, towards how you can use social media as a way to either educate, inspire, or entertain. 
And I want to focus on educate for a moment because there's a lot of brands out there that aren't necessarily the sexiest of brands. Mm. They're, you know, they're not ones like, like a, let's say a Coca-Cola that's going to be about being, you know, having fun and entertaining, but education is a big component of social media nowadays. Yeah. If you look at a platform like Instagram, for example, there are people that go on and search different hashtags, for example, um, hashtag business tips, hashtag social media tips. These are feeds that I am posting content into consistently. And as a business, you can do the same thing. So for example, if you are a, a marketing agency and you want to get your marketing agency on the map, go ahead and it's very easy to find tips on online. Just run a Google search for so Facebook tips or Facebook facts, Snapchat facts, just throwing that out as a, as an example, and then create using a tool like Canva, different images with these tips on them and then put them on Instagram. And it's as easy as creating content that way to educate the masses. Yeah, I really like that. It's actually something that I suppose that our, our followers would have, would have seen from us if they were, uh, if you're signed up to our email list, our 101 blogging tips. Um, those are images like Carlos has described with text over image and we've made them clickable, but they were all created again in Canva. Um, so it's something like that I really like. And in terms of the, the message, obviously with um, the different platforms, you're going to get a different size in your bio or your about piece. Is there any must-haves that you think people should have in there that you've seen that they're not quite getting across? Take advantage of the real estate that you have for character limits. Uh, so for Twitter, for example, take advantage of the character limits that you have within the bio, flush out your bio so it has keywords describing what you do. If you're on LinkedIn, for example, and you're trying to promote your business, make sure that in the, the top section of your LinkedIn, right underneath your name, it has a very clear-cut description of who you are. Again, these are all keywords that social uh, that search engines, sorry, um, look for. So it's as easy as when you run a Google search and try doing this, guys. Run a Google search for your name, and you'll see when your LinkedIn profile pulls up on the first page. Typically, your LinkedIn profile is one of the first results on Google. It will typically say your name, where you're from, and it'll have a couple of lines of who you are. That who you are is extremely important that you're able to go ahead and um, clearly state within no more than two sentences on your Instagram bio, Facebook page, Twitter account, and LinkedIn. Uh, and make sure that you have plenty of keywords. So again, if you are a social media marketing agency, you want to have social media, you want to have marketing, you want to have agency. Those are all keywords that search engines are crawling for. And people are looking for those as well. Yeah, they absolutely are. And it's just having those keywords in there. And I must have been, suppose, looking even at Instagram and within your bio, even having hashtags within your Instagram bio, because let's be honest, that's how most people will search Instagram. They will search via hashtags. So if you have those within your Instagram bio, it gives you a better chance of being uh, returned in the search results. Correct. Creating great content, finding an audience, building engagement, monetizing your blog. This is those, Content um, Academy. Carlos, you're, obviously, you're very active uh, on Twitter and you've a tremendous following, 63,000 followers. It's a massive number. So congrats on that. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, what is your what's your strategy for for Twitter? You know, how do you take it on and, and how do you plan content and tweets and, and information on that? Yeah, good question. So I've been I've been hustling on Twitter since uh, 2009. I actually joined April in 2009, and the the key to Twitter is you have to you have to be ever present almost all the time. And people often say to me, 
wow, you're even tweeting when you're sleeping. And I let them know it's because I use I use tools. No, I, I really am. I use tools in order to have content going out. This goes back to what I said before. Social media never sleeps. Yeah. So I'd be foolish to think that realistically, I, throughout as busy as I am, um, can be tweeting at all times of the day. I, I realistically can't. And if any guru or thought leader tells you that they tweet their own original content and you look at their Twitter account and every hour they're consistently posting, then they're completely full of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And please tell them that I yeah. say so. But using tools like Buffer and Hootsuite really go a long way to helping you plan out your content calendar for the week. And what I do is every Sunday, typically around Sunday night, once the family gets ready to go to sleep, I'll sit down on my computer here at home for an hour. I'll go on Buffer and I'll just start scheduling content out for the week. Uh, what's really cool about Buffer, I, I pay for the for the premium version of it. I want to say it's like ten US dollars a month. Yeah. And it helps me optimize my content schedule. So it it taps into Twitter. It knows when my audience on Twitter is the most most active. And I have eight posts scheduled to go out throughout the day, and those are across time zones. And uh, you know, again, I use that as a tool throughout the day. Obviously, if there's something I see online, I'll share that. But also consistent engaging engagement. You have to be aware of who's sharing your content and thank them. Uh, a big mistake that I see friends and peers in, in the space and marketing ignore is they don't look close enough to who's following them. I make it a priority to see every single person that's following me. And the reason why is because that could be a person who's of influence that maybe – uh, is looking for a speaker, a keynote speaker for their next conference. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's someone that has a, a a job opportunity. Maybe it's someone that has a consulting opportunity. Like, you never know. So don't just look at people on Twitter as just another account and look at it as numbers. Look at it as really what it is. They're people just like you. And they have interests and they have needs, wants, and desires for being on social media just like you do. Yeah. So – um, with, with that being said, just pay attention and have conversations with people. And if you do that consistently over time, your network's going to grow. You're going to see business opportunities expand. But the key, guys, is realistically, and I, you know, my, my thing for those of you that follow me is real talk. So I'm going to drop a little real talk on you guys. None of this stuff is going to happen overnight. So the 63,000 followers didn't happen overnight. The personal brand that I've developed did not happen overnight. We're talking eight years now of doing this day in and day out. Very little downtime, even on vacations with my family, checking my Twitter and engaging all the time. Yeah, and that's the truth of it. That's and that's the message, you know. People seem to think that, you know, they can just set up a, a website, a business, a blog, and that everything is gonna come good and it's gonna feel the dream shit. And that's just not true. Um, you know, you, there is no there's no such thing as overnight success and, and, and you show me someone who who has had overnight success and the chances are they've been plugging away in the background, it's just you've never heard about them. Correct. Exactly. And it's funny yeah. you're saying about Twitter and, you know, you're, you're tweeting when you're asleep. Obviously, with our time difference, I get to see a lot of your stuff um, when you when you actually are asleep because of the this, what is it, seven or eight hours worth time difference wise. Um, so I get to see a lot of that. And it's, it's quite it's quite interesting to see how it goes out. And one of the things I noticed, and I don't know if this is by design, but I'm going to ask you while I have the opportunity. I've seen some of your tweets will go out and they'll go out at the same time, as in you'll have two tweets in a row or very, very close together. Mm -hmm. is, is that by design so you can see that your 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 face your name your twitter handle is showing up um within a very small proximity of each other on the screen so people are more likely to pay attention or is, is there something else 
Yeah, no, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, I want to try to take advantage of, of as much real estate as I possibly can, whether it's a mobile device. So two tweets on mobile device. Mm. Once you factor in an image within each tweet, you've basically just occupied someone's entire screen yeah. for a moment in time as you're scrolling. On a desktop, it's a little trickier because you can see a healthy amount. You can probably see about six to eight different tweets when you're scrolling through your feed on a desktop. Um, but with that being said, you know, you're, you're, you're exactly right. I want to be able to, to get people to see me. It's a little bit of a growth hack. I do a lot of growth hacks. I, I automate DMS as well. I know that's something that a lot of marketers t tend to frown upon, but you know, here's my thing, guys, the tools are here for a reason. Use them. Absolutely. If you can, if you're adding value and you can provide value to someone out there, that's going to get the value out of it. You know, that's, that's who I focus on. I don't focus on the others out there that are, you know, necessarily knocking on, uh, on anyone's best practices for marketing. It makes total sense. And I suppose one of the, the things that's interesting is yes, checking the people who are following you, interacting with them kind of, you know, there's obviously some interesting followers there as well. Um, a matter of interest, 63,000. I mean, how, how is that number grown? Is that kind of slow and steady over the last few years or is that kind of exponentially doubling over the last couple of years or what way is that looking for you? You know what? It, it like goes in waves based on how how aggressive, I guess, if you want to say uh, I, I become. There's periods of time where, uh, you know, in the background, I'll run some different tools to optimize my following. Um, and there's times where I'll just go into I'll go into these spurts where I'll uh, I'll do a, a mass following, if you will, based on interest. And when people get a notification that they have a new follower then they feel compelled to go ahead and follow you. Um, when you run things like automating list building on the back end, that also helps you get noticed. I've noticed over the last couple of years, my following started to level off, but I think that's because I'm very much focused on a niche, which is social media marketing, uh, the business world of marketing. And, you know, let's think of it, yeah. how many people out there are marketers on social media, even though this is a marketing mm -hmm. platform. So I think if I was out there, you know, talking about a variety of topics, if maybe I was talking a little bit more about sports, maybe talking a little bit more about travel and cooking, then that would expand my reach on a whole nother level. But yeah. do I want my brand to be perceived as someone who has multiple interests or do I want to be perceived as just a thought leader on one vertical, which is marketing? I know which one I'd want. <laughs> In a perfect world, I'd love to be a thought leader in all things travel or food. But I'm not a chef and uh, I'm not a travel agent or a travel blogger, so. Yeah, no, me neither. Me neither. Um, it, it's, it's on the to-do list a bit of traveling, all right, but I don't think I'll be blogging about it. I'll be, I'll be wanting the break, if the truth be told, I think. Um, we're getting on for time, Carlos, so I'm conscious not to keep you for too much longer. I have a couple of more questions I want to get to. Um, one of them is around Snapchat. Um. A lot of people have moved away from Snapchat of late with the Instagram updates in terms of Instagram Live, the Instagram Stories, and everything else that uh, Facebook have been kind of changing with the platform. But what are your thoughts on Snapchat now as opposed to maybe 12 months ago? Um, oversaturated, to be honest with you. Uh, I love Snapchat. It's, uh, it's been a key differentiator for me. Personally and professionally speaking, I uh, joined this platform in 2013, and I'll, I'll be completely honest with you guys. Again, goes back to my mantra of real talk. And for the first year that I was on Snapchat, there was I, I followed I probably followed like five people, 
and there was very little mm -hmm. community on there. And then last year, um, a lot of my marketing colleagues and peers that was absolutely crazy fanboying over this platform that was, you know, for younger people. And, you know, I, I recall getting into these debates over ROI and there'll never be brands and it sucks for B2B and this and that. And then as soon as a uh, good old Gary Vaynerchuk rolled around and started <laughs> shouting from the mountaintops, how amazing Snapchat is, then people started to listen. Uh, and that's just how it goes. So yep. I think we're at a point now where it's become saturated like every other platform where you have your gurus and thought leaders that are all trying to get market shares, I like to call it, and get attention. And um, the people that are going to win at the end of the day are the ones that create tribes. You don't need to have the biggest audience on any social network, but the ones that win are the ones that have the most engaged audience. And that's real talk. So do you think it's still worth um, investing time and effort into or should you be moving more towards Instagram for your, your live and uh, your stories? It depends where you get the biggest reach. That's the easy answer and who you're, who you're trying to get in front of, quite frankly, Snapchat's audience and, and demographic is going to be much younger. Mm. Uh, I often say at the conferences I speak on Snapchat for business, if you are trying to sell a, a product or service or get in front of anyone from the age of 13 years old to 35, you have to be on Snapchat. Uh, but the reality is you also have brands that have invested time, money, and effort on building their presence on Instagram. So I would recommend for brands out there that are already on Instagram before you jump on Snap, try Instagram out. See what your reach is like. See if your community is even jiving with your content. I can tell you the challenge that any brand or person or content creator is going to face with Instagram right now is that the audience on there is not used to seeing streams of content. Let's think about the people that have been on Instagram for ages are used to just seeing static images. And most people are not content yeah. creators. Most people don't want to now necessarily see a stream of content. And I'm talking about video content, which is Instagram yeah. stories or Instagram live. They want to just see static images. They want to just you know hit one button and hit move on. So I think it's interesting seeing Instagram's kind of strategy becoming almost like the new Facebook, but just for mobile only and being centered on photo and very short video. I think Snapchat, their place in this ecosystem is that they're all about short form storytelling. So you, you're going to have different audiences that are going to really be into Instagram because there's appeal there for what they want to opt into. And then you're going to have audiences on Snapchat that they want to see the short form content. And you can look at Snapchat as almost like an extension of YouTube now. It's where you can create your own channel. Think of it as like your own YouTube channel meets Twitter where content's shorter. It's video. It's free to create video. And again, the key comes down to the audience that you're trying to reach. Are they on Snapchat? And you know, if they are on Snapchat and you're creating content, you're still going to have to tap into your other social networks to drive those followers to add you on Snapchat. And then it's going to come down to content. Are they engaging with your content? Do they feel it? And your audience is going to tell you very quickly, if your content sucks, they're not going to watch. And uh, I think, <laughs> I think as a yeah. marketer, as a marketer, it's very healthy to test where do you, where do you, where are you seeing the biggest ROI? And if it's in both, then have that in. Create content on both platforms. How to build and monetize your blog. This is Content Academy. Carlos, I've got two questions. I know we're running tight for time, so I'll try to run through them quite quickly. Um, one is... How do you go about using social media to make, you know, connections with influencers? Or is, is that something that you uh, you would advocate for or against? Um, yes and no. 
So uh, the reason why I say yes and no is because a lot of influencers are, are so inundated with having a heavy influx of inbound messaging that many of yeah. them are just broadcasting outward. I would challenge anyone out there that if your strategy, if you will, is to engage with influencers, first see if, first do an audit on what their behavior is like. And what I mean by that is actually see, are they talking to their community? Are they tweeting back? Are they retweeting? Or yeah. is it just a one-way re relationship to where they just want you to see their stuff, but they're never going to tweet back at you. They're never going to engage with you. Personally, those are not the people that I aspire following or want to engage with because I see right through that. I see these are people that just want, you know, want you to consume their content. And this whole thing is about relationship building at the core. The key word in social media is social. Uh, I don't think that social media was invented with a marketer in mind. I think it was invented with creating bridges between people and marketers have just found a way to insert themselves in the conversation. Yeah. So if you really want to be successful, um, in social media, then you have to find a way to develop a rapport with others out there. And whether you're an influencer, you're a micro influencer, you're just someone that's just getting started, have conversations with people in your space that have like-minded interests that actually want to engage. Otherwise you're just wasting your time. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. The, the artist, the, the, the person you're trying to reach out to is, is a great shout and something that is, is worthwhile thinking about, but perhaps, you know, some people wouldn't have had that idea. So thanks for sharing that. Um, the, so the second question uh, briefly is what do you think is going to happen with LinkedIn now that it's been uh, acquired, uh, I suppose, by Microsoft? Um, I see it going from strength to strength, but I'm just wondering if you've got any any uh, insight on that. I don't have any insight whatsoever, but you know it's interesting because a lot of folks in, in still the B2B community view LinkedIn as being a powerhouse. And the more that I, you know, since I've since I stopped working for LinkedIn, and you know, I don't know if it's connected or whatnot, but I haven't been using LinkedIn as much over the mm. last year plus, and. The reason why is because I've been investing more time in things like Snapchat, Instagram, even YouTube. But when I do a pulse of where people are spending their time on social media to network, it's not LinkedIn. It's Twitter. Um, it's Facebook groups. It's becoming Snapchat. It's not LinkedIn anymore. Uh, LinkedIn is almost kind of becoming like the older dinosaur of social networks. And I think it's because it only really appeals to a business audience. And think about it. You're not going to go on LinkedIn and post a picture of your family or you know something really cool that's going on in your life typically you just keep it to work related or business related yeah, so with that being yeah. said it limits it limits the engagement on the platform now if linkedin would have back in the day kind of been rebranded as like this is a, a business network or business hangout but you can it's still cool to show who you are and show some personality you wouldn't have such a high influx of professionals nowadays using Facebook as a place to network for business. If you just go on, on Facebook today and type in any industry, like for example, the real estate industry, I follow very closely, just type in real estate on Facebook and you have a, dozens, if not hundreds of real estate networking groups for real estate professionals on Facebook. So I think what's going to happen with, the, with Microsoft taking over the reins at LinkedIn is you'll start seeing LinkedIn incorporated more into Microsoft's suite of products. You know, we're recording on Skype yeah. right now. Maybe in the Absolutely. future you'll be able to log into Skype with your LinkedIn account and vice versa. Maybe Skype will come over to LinkedIn where within your LinkedIn profile you can make a Skype call with someone. So I think you're going to start seeing more of like the integration between between systems.
Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree with that. And I know we are running very tight for time. So thanks for sharing that. But Phil, you probably have one more question you ask everyone. Is Carlos going to get that question? Of course. I can't let you off the line without asking it, Carlos. We ask every guest the same question at the Drop end, of, like the end of her. I will indeed. And it's simply this. Can you give us one thing, just one thing, that you have learnt on your journey that you wish you knew when you started? Oh, man, that's such a loaded question. There's so many things. Well, give me the one biggest one that jumps to mind. Uh, the one biggest thing that comes to mind is uh, perseverance, I would say. Um, regardless of what stage you're at in your life or in your journey, as you speak, you're going to, you're going to be faced with adversity along the way. You're going to be faced with obstacles and challenges. You know, for me early on, it was, it started off with creating a business that had all the right intentions, but I didn't have a lot of capital to not making money to, you know, just mentally staying strong when you're not making money and you still want to keep battling through and you start facing your, your inner demons. Um, and perseverance is what gets you through that. Uh, and perseverance is something that, uh, again, never goes away because no matter how successful you are, you're always going to have a bad day. You're always going to have a challenge. You're always going to have something that doesn't go according to plan. And if you can get through it, then you're going to come out on the other side a lot stronger than when you went in. Yeah, I really couldn't agree with that more. Um, you know, obviously we've been around for a very long time. We know, we know the good days, we know the bad days, and it's getting through those bad days that makes all the difference. So thank you so much for sharing that, Carlos. Now, before we let you go, you will tell our audience where they can get a hold of you on social media. We've spent a good while talking about it. Where can they get a hold of you? Yeah, you know what? You can go to my website, which is carlosgill.biz. All of my social channels are on there. Uh, hit me up on YouTube, Carlos Gill TV, and we've talked about Twitter quite a bit, which is Carlos Gill eighty three, and Snapchat's the Carlos Gill. But again, if you go to my website, which is carlosgill.biz, you can connect with me via all my social networks from there. Excellent. We'll make sure to have a link to that in today's show notes. Carlos, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. I suspect we probably could have stayed talking for a lot longer. I appreciate you giving up your time today. A happy new year to you, and uh, hopefully we'll chat to you again soon. Thank you so much once again for having me on the show, guys. It's been great. I would love to sit and chat for all day if I possibly could, but I'm sure we'll do this again. Absolutely. Thanks, Carlos. All right, guys. This is Content Academy. Yes, yeah, so there you have it, Paul. That was Carlos. I have to say, I really, really enjoyed that one. Um, very knowledgeable on the topic, as you'd expect. And, uh, plenty of good, solid nuggets in there, Paul. There certainly was. Uh, some, some of it was somewhat obvious, but it got you to think. I mean, social media never sleeps. That's something that we know, obviously. But do you plan for that? And that's something which a lot of people probably don't. So I did like that. And also the the fact of the sending the two tweets out at the same time to take all the real estate on that mobile phone uh, as someone is is scrolling through your, their timeline. Little tips like that, I thought, were, were quite quite useful, really. You know, start start adding that into your your you know your weekly social media strategy if you will yeah it was very good as i said it's something i noticed in carlos's feed and well, not so much when i was looking at his feed but on my own feed as i'd be going through and i'd see carlos pop up twice within the space of seconds and it just got me to take more notice to the content he was pushing out as opposed to everyone else so i'm glad i got the chance to ask him about that yeah absolutely and just a straight answer is like yep 
That's Absolutely, it. that's exactly that's what I'm at. Um, and of course, Carlos's take on Snapchat and Instagram and where where you should be going. I mean, it's interesting that the demographic he reckons if you're looking for people between the ages of 13 to 35, you should still be on Snapchat, even though he does think it's become more saturated. Um, but again, it's all about the testing and seeing what kind of results you're getting across the other platform. So maybe Instagram is really where you're getting great engagement with your with your followers and that is not necessarily going to be a good choice of your time to spend it on Snapchat. Yeah, I suppose what really kind of struck me, Phil, was just the fact that he was kind of speaking about the end result. You know, having a big, large number of followers, okay, yeah, it's interesting, but it's not the end game. The end game, as he was saying, was is having that tribe. You know, mm. it can be a small amount of people, but, you know, they take action, you know, they follow you, they maybe they buy your products or services. And where those people are reaching out to them is key. So as regards to, you know, the Snapchat and Instagram side of things, you know, you're probably going to know where you're going to get the better. I suppose I, I would argue the better results are going to be, you know, what impacts the bottom line uh, at the end of the day as well. So that's something to maybe keep in mind that you might make get a massive Instagram following. But if those if those people, they don't convert, they don't interact with your brand, there's no engagement and they're not really um you know doing what it is you want them to do be that by a product or service or raise awareness or, or whatever the end game is and on the contrary there could be a, a smaller more focused group of people on, on snapchat that might actually engage with you that bit, bit that bit more and actually uh, go ahead uh, and take the action you want that's kind of the i suppose the juxtaposition that i noticed that carlos was sharing and and that was kind of a takeaway there was Focusing on the, the big numbers on social media, yeah, that's good, that's great, but it's actually a step beyond that, you know, where what happens at the at the end of that. So that's yeah. something which I think we don't focus on enough. No, and that's something that I think you need to take note of is, you know, before you do any of this, you need to know where the endpoint is. And that goes with everything. That's whether it's a social media update, whether it's content you're creating, a video you're putting out, whatever it is, you need to understand what you're looking to get from it. I know it's something we've spoke about in the show time and time again, but so often when we speak to people, they you know they don't have an end game in mind, and whether it's a long a long term end game or even just to this today, this week, this month, this is my end game. This is how I know I will have gotten you know some way between point a and point yeah. b or even on to point c you know that you need to have an end game in place so i really do like that and carlos is dead right that that, that could be could make a huge difference to where you spend your time and where you deploy your efforts yeah that's it and so i mean look yeah return on investments return on time spent that that sort of stuff's important so and i mean the stuff that he called out it's you know it's fairly you know self-explanatory in some respects younger people are on snapchat um, and then it just depends on good services, what your business is providing, whether that actually is a, is a good use of time or not. Um, I I was a little bit surprised at his thoughts on LinkedIn, but then as he kind of said them, I wasn't uh, in at the same in the mm, same yeah uh, sense. Um, it does bec- it is quite funny because when somebody posts something personal on LinkedIn, you know, it could be a party or it could be a a night out or something like that, the backlash is phenomenal. You know, people say this is only a place for business, right, blah, okay. blah, blah. I, ha- I have to hold my hands up and be completely honest. I don't really use LinkedIn at all. Yeah, I use it all the time. I use it every day. And um, it's really interesting. But then on the contrary, you get the other backlash of going, well, you should be working. 
not just posting bullshit inspirational motivational quotes on LinkedIn. So also, you know, so there's a really kind of funny cynicism on that platform, which is, is quite interesting. Um, so it's it's one of those things where Microsoft have acquired it. The integration of tools, he's absolutely a hundred percent bang on with that. Um, we're seeing Microsoft already do that with some of their their other uh, professional business tools uh, at the moment as well. For example, they've got one called Teams, which just pulls on two or three different Microsoft technologies. So you can make Skype calls and you can kind of have a, a feed, if you will, like you would on Facebook and have it all within the, in the one app. So and that will, will be quite interesting to kind of see how that goes uh, in the future. But the piece which is, is probably one to watch is will they drop Linda, the educational arm uh, and Will they push people to produce content or will they take that piece away? But anyway, not to digress on that, you will know if you're, uh, again, if your audience is on LinkedIn. I mean, interestingly, you're probably not going to have the same person on LinkedIn and on Snapchat too much. There'll be a little bit of overlap like there always is. Mm. Um, but again, I would say if you're going out with a, an aggressive social media campaign for LinkedIn, for Snapchat, okay, Facebook and Twitter accounts are essential, but also for Instagram and also for, for Pinterest, I would say you don't know who your tribe is, you don't know who you're targeting, and you need to cut a couple of those away because there's no reason to be on all platforms anymore. I think those days have passed. I think it's about focused engagement with your tribe and being on the platforms with the tribe, which, again, subtleties is kind of what I was taking away from what Carlos was saying there. Yeah, absolutely. You really need to kind of see where they are, what's working and hang out there with them and, and get involved in the conversation. And again, we spoke about the branding across all of the platforms and making sure that was consistent, Paul. And I think that's a big thing. I know we, we've kind of said you may need to cut out a couple of platforms, but let's be honest, Twitter and Facebook are essential still. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to have Snapchat and Instagram or one or the other and maybe even linkedin or pinterest so having a consistent brand across all of those is, is very essential so that people know that when they come across it that it is in fact yours if it's disjointed in any way are we is this the right account i want to be on is this someone else who's got a similar sounding name or you know you can have a couple of accounts that are very very similar that don't don't uh, don't really differentiate well enough so you know that that's the one you're actually looking for so i really like that advice from carlos about getting the consistency across the platforms and, and ways you can maximize the space you have there and, and getting in the keywords within your, your your bios and your about page and stuff like that to make sure that you're relevant to the search for the terms you want to be found but also that uh, you're giving yourself a best chance of being discovered even by people who may not even know they're looking for you but they're someone in your area yeah and i mean just to, to add to that just if you're let's say you're a lifestyle blogger food blogger you're a professional business brand whatever it is I mean, you mentioned there, Phil, that you saw Carlos a few times in your feed, so you took a little bit more notice. Well, if I came across your social media feed and your YouTube page had a different handle to, let's say, your Twitter page or your Facebook as such, uh, and then the images is all different, you know, as a casual consumer of content who is bombarded day by day, I probably wouldn't, you know, might not join the dots that, oh, this person and that person, oh, it's the same brand, it's the same person, and I just continue on, whereas if there's consistency there, you've got a, a better chance. And at the end of the day, you've got a, a, the small thing. If you do all the small things right, that'll, that'll get the big things to happen. And too often we cut corners and that's what lets, lets I suppose, especially bloggers down. And, and that's really um, yeah, I mean, the cornerstone. You see, you see, well, 
you say cut corners, Paul, and again, some people, it is a case of cutting corners. I think as well, a bit of the problem, and I'm kind of going off topic slightly here because I know we're trying to wrap today's show up, but I think some of the problem as well that people set um, up their social media accounts at very different stages on their blogging journeys that I think some people will have set yeah. their Facebook up straight out the gate along with the their start. Twitter. Yeah, and now they're only adding Instagram or Snapchat or Pinterest or wherever they've branched out into. So there's no consideration for consistency because they're not being set up at the same time. So again, uh, it's I know it's it's uh, getting close to New Year's as we're recording this January as you're listening, but it's still early in the year. Maybe it's time to go and do an audit of all your social media accounts and see is there consistency of your imagery, is there consistency of your about pages, your your, your website links, and make sure that it's abundantly clear to people that no matter where they come from, that they are finding the correct account for you. Yeah, absolutely. And this goes on to another conversation we had uh, earlier on, Phil, around your message. You know, you should have the same message on all of these platforms, same headline message, I, I would argue. Yeah. Um, so that, that all feeds into the, you know, the images, the Twitter handle, the, the social media handles, uh, all of that stuff. So, yeah, content audit. That, and the funny thing is you, you probably won't even need to do an audit. You're probably sitting there going, yeah, my shit's in order. Or you're going, yeah, it's probably not. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Whoops. Yeah, well, better, that background better, better. on my YouTube channel is a bit ropey. Yeah, they just threw whatever onto that. Uh, and, and that's you know, that's it. But um, there you go. There's an opportunity to go and sort it out. Yeah, and uh, finally, uh, the best piece of advice, the perseverance. Hold tight, keep going. Um, you know, I, I think it's quite poignant and I know we speak to a lot of people. I ask that question of all of our guests and I've lost count the amount of times that that has come up in various different guises. Um, that that's the, the overarching message from a lot of our guests is that you really just need to keep the head down and keep pushing through that you're going to get bad days. There's going to be days where things just won't go for you where you're not really feeling it. Um, but by getting through those, you'll find uh, it gets a lot easier. Yeah, uh, yeah, I I agree with all of that. You know, there's there there's be very bad days. Sometimes there can be bad weeks or bad months, which yeah, hopefully you're not. There's none of those coming anytime soon. But essentially, yeah. um, yeah, perseverance. Look, there's a lot of people out there who will say, oh yeah, I I was a blogger once. Oh yeah, I had an online business, side, but it didn't you know? And then there's a story or, or an excuse as to why it didn't work out. You know, you you want to be the person who did make it work out and. There's nobody who gets it right first time. So perseverance is, look, it's it's the same with anything. If you don't persevere, you will not achieve very much. No, and uh, I don't know who who's attributed with the quote, but it's one I'm, I'm very familiar with, and it's you only fail when you stop. So as long as you keep moving, you're still trying. I tell you, I tell you what, I heard, I heard, I read another quote today, um, actually from Chrissy Marquardt. She shared an article, um, and I don't know who the quote was attributed to as well, but he said, "Hell is um, when you die, meeting the person that you could have been." Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, there you go, one to think about. Yeah, it actually, that is one to make you think. <laughs> and I think on, on that note, we'll uh, wrap up the show there. So thank you very much to Carlos for joining us. Thank you very much indeed to you for joining us. And don't forget to get all of today's show notes. You can head over to content.academy forward slash episode 60. It's episode 60 for all of today's show notes. You have been listening to the Content Academy podcast. If you would like to comment on any of today's show or subscribe to the series, Find us at content.academy forward slash podcast.